I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Oak Jr., that is me. With me, as always, a man who doesn't mean to be a beardin, but must ask you a question. Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? <laughs> what the hell is that from? You got a dad book or dad joke book sitting around? I, no, I think I, I literally just look, keep looking at your lineup, and I'm amazed at how much space you're Ooh. able to create between your lip and the top and like the bottom of your mustache. It's remarkable. I mean, the barbers are really artists at the end of the day, right? I mean, you can you can probably agree with that. Hair artists. 100%. Yes, especially especially ones with canvases like these and like mine. Like like <laughs> like your tiny ears. Mike, we're starting off on a good foot until we get to the Jesus Christ conversation. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. If you want to see Brandon's fresh lineup and his tiny ears, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Fun show today. New guest. First-timer for us around here. We're going to talk to Ben Solak from The Ringer. 
He is an NFL staff writer over there, one of the co-hosts of the Ringer NFL podcast, and also one of the co-hosts of the Philly Special podcast. We're going to talk to him about the Philadelphia Eagles, the NFC East. They got their first loss this weekend. The, uh, the Dallas Cowboys also lost this weekend. So assessing a little bit of the damage there and trying to forecast what we have going forward and talking about Ben getting bullied on the internet the other night, which was always great fun. So uh, excited to talk to him about that. Um, we have, as you mentioned, a new video game that is dropping. We have got rap album of the year debates to have and some news out of the NFL as well. But Brandon, I spent so much of yesterday in a hell of Taylor Swift's creation. I like, I'm usually not one to come on and say overly negative things about brands because anyone can be a sponsor of this here podcast. And if you want to give money towards the cause, we appreciate you. We love and respect you. But Ticketmaster, y'all got to get your shit together. Because me sitting around trying to buy Taylor Swift tickets as a part of the verified pre-sale that went on yesterday for Taylor Swift fans, that was a nightmare, Brandon. Watching all of my fellow Swifties go through this was as painful experience as I can remember being a part of. Well, it's interesting, Mike, because I thought you were one of the uh, VIPs of the Swifty world until... I saw one of my friends that I went to elementary school with, shout out to Jenna Olsen, she uh, tweeted very nonchalantly, my mom thought I'd have to wait at Ticketmaster. Can you imagine? Like, is there some kind of special deal for people who, like, are so deep in the club, have, have shed enough Taylor Swift blood that they, like, hop the line for these tickets? I don't know, man. So the Eras Tour, which is the upcoming Taylor Swift tour, that's got four albums worth of ass behind it that have not yet seen a concert stage. The verified pre-sale tickets went on sale yesterday. And how that works, you had to go on Ticketmaster beforehand. You had to sign up and then find out you were sent an email with a number for the verification prospect. The number of other artists have used this prospect. It's supposed to cut down on some of the bot things that potentially happen here. It's supposed to be one of those measures. Yada, yada, all that stuff. It ended with Ticketmaster being completely overwhelmed by what went on. Ticketmaster was Jon Snow in the Battle of the Bastards. One man with a sword <laughs> against an army of very mobile, very well-funded Taylor Swift fans coming its way. And Brandon, it was an absolute hellscape out there. I, I'd imagine no group of people on Earth, I wouldn't say they slept well, but slept harder after that day than Ticketmaster customer service employees. They knew it was coming, Mike. Though they they, they knew the storm was coming. The uh, what, what type of winter it, it, it fell upon them in the in the Swifty world? Brandon, the, I the don't anti-hero. Think, I don't think they knew the amount of "it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me" memes that they would be a part of over the course of that given day. Fast. It was it was unbelievable considering they in theory knew exactly how many people they gave codes out to and yet somehow had to push back a variety of the start times for pre-sale tickets for various parts of the country but brandon all's well that ends well shout out to sid the kid sydney golick going through and getting it done your boys heading to vegas to go see queen taylor in what i believe is just the third show of the tour so tons of fresh energy wow okay fresh energy maybe you I don't know if I might look for more refined energy, but maybe Taylor's refined the whole time. I don't know. I've never seen her in concert. Uh, But yes, I do want to give a shout out to never shitting on potential sponsors or businesses of any type or kind, Mike, because yesterday I got a package. 
I got a package. Yeah, you did. You know about this. Yeah, you did. You know about this. Every time I get a random package to my door, I'm like, who is giving out my address? It's the same man who gives out my government at the beginning of all of these podcasts, Mike Gullick Jr. I, Mike, I got a I got a package from Graders yesterday. Oh yeah, the the givers of great ice cream, man. That's the that's the Ohana means family. Graders means family. That is uh, <laughs> that's real life wait. out here. I can't wait to uh, – to, I, I haven't opened the box yet. I know it says on the box, uh, as soon as you open these things, put them directly in the freezer. So I'm just, you know, I'm still nervous. I'm, maybe this is going to turn into a It's dry ice. Don't let it melt in there. What are you doing? You know what it is. Put it in the freezer. I don't know. It's like a like Christmas. We have our Christmas tree up, Mike. I know you've seen the picture of that. I just feel like maybe I want to push that graders box under the Christmas tree and just open it a little bit later. I cannot stress enough what a bad idea that is. Please don't do that. It's actual ice cream. Eventually, it will melt. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Because no, no free ads. The best part about Grater's ice creams is you can immediately pierce it with a spoon. There is not a lot of delay once you mm. take that out of the freezer. But uh, mm-hmm. again, thank you to them. All hail uh, Lord Taylor Swift, as I will be heading uh, to that concert. Very jazzed. And shout out to anyone out there fighting the good fight on that front. Rest up. You can make it through this. We got general sales still coming out for these things. I'm trying to be on my full Stu Gots and go like he was a deadhead running around with the Grateful Dead doing the Dead and Company tour. I am trying to be that for Taylor Swift in 2023. But Brandon, speaking of Christmas, last night we had an incredible situation running in front of us. The College Football Playoff Committee put out their third round of rankings after the Kentucky-Michigan State basketball game. Now, I can tell you that as someone who used to do rankings reaction with Jason Fitz, who was on yesterday, this happens every year. Once college basketball season starts, ESPN puts the rankings after one of the basketball games to make sure you sit around and watch an early season college basketball game. And they had the decency to make it a good name brand matchup. Michigan State, who almost took down Gonzaga in the Armed Forces Classic on the uh, deck of an aircraft carrier the other day, managed to go out here and get a double overtime win over Kentucky. Brandon, the night that they choose to have the rankings after a basketball game, of course it goes into double overtime. Yeah, and it was obviously uh, also prime time to watch Kentucky implode. Like It it just felt like it was was all the things pointing to the season that is to come when college football and, and college basketball mend and mix. I guess we only have like what two more Sundays of uh, ten, eight, ten hours watch uh, worth of college basketball or college football. On yeah, the weekend. we are. Uh, yeah, we're in the last two weeks of the regular season coming up. We'll have conference championships the first week of December, and then we're into bowl season. The Cheese It's uh, folks now sponsor two bowl games. It's electric. You have the Cheese It Bowl and the Cheese It, the uh, Citrus Cheese It Bowl as well. What? Yeah, it's, when did this happen? Yesterday. It's a wild time right now, man. It's just shit everywhere all at once. So we had college basketball leading into the CFP rankings. Cats and dogs living together. Brandon, the third round of the college football playoff rankings I don't think was all that surprising. You can get into the minutia a little bit, but let's give everyone what you need to know heading into your day with this because the last few are pretty simple now. All of this is going to play out in the field and it started this past weekend. You still have the same top four. Georgia at number one, Ohio State at number two, Michigan at number three, TCU at number four. All the same. Then you have Tennessee at number five, LSU, two-loss LSU sitting up at number six, followed by USC at seven, two-loss Alabama at eight, 
One loss, Clemson at nine, and Utah at ten. And okay. yeah, so it, it, it's it gets interesting now, Brandon, because you look at the situation and like speaking in generalities, teams that feel like they control their own destiny. Obviously, everyone in the top four sitting there controlling their own destiny. I think right. LSU. I think LSU were except for one scenario that we'll get to here for the most part controls their own destiny they go out they play UAB this week and then Texas A&M to finish out the regular season they have already locked up a trip to Atlanta to play Georgia in the SEC championship game if they went out I think a two-loss SEC champion based on this ranking is likely in USC at number seven has to play UCLA this weekend, who, for the sake of that, UCLA, after their loss to Arizona, dropped down to 16 this week, which is important. They then follow that up with a game against Notre Dame, who moved up to 18 after their win against Navy. Notre Dame plays Boston College this week in a senior day game that's supposed to be very winnable. So in theory, you could have Notre Dame moving up even another spot before their matchup with USC in the last game of the season. And then USC would get whoever is the uh, second-place team in the Pac-12 going into that. There is technically, mathematically, and I haven't looked into the specifics of it, still a way we could get a five-way tie for the SEC's top team, or for the, excuse me, for the Pac-12's top team. Okay. So I'm very, yeah, that would have been wild. A five-way tie yeah. for the Pac-12 t- uh, top team is still very much in play, which shows you but, that it's still kind of variable who USC might face in the title game if they're able to win out and get there. But for USC, you would have ranked UCLA, ranked Notre Dame, and a ranked Pac-12 title game win under your belt. So I think if they win out, for the most part, they have a good shot of getting into this thing. The interesting one now becomes Clemson sitting there at nine because I heard the guys on the uh, ESPN broadcast talk about this not technically out of it with one loss at number nine is clemson okay let's pump our brakes on the acc and and clemson talk because i'm not off the pack 12 just yet because regardless of the race to number one and number two with oregon losing the last week isn't it impossible for the pack 12 to make the college football playoffs no, not at all. So Oregon not? is still Oregon's still sitting at number 12 right now behind Penn State, who is, I believe, has the same record and is definitely not a better football team than Oregon. But that's a okay. different a different conversation. Well, Bo Nix no. is out. What's that? Is, isn't Bo Nix out? Nope. Okay. I renege. Continue. So, Brandon, you said USC, you don't think that they're capable of making the college football playoff. I disagree. They're sitting at number seven right now. And I think there's a very easy world because you look at what's going to happen, right? The team's in front of them. LSU is going to play Georgia. If what we like, I always like to play this two ways because you can do the scenarios and then you can do what's overwhelmingly likely to happen. It's very likely that Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship game. LSU ends up with three losses and they're out of the picture. It is very, you know, we know Michigan or Ohio State, one of those teams is going to lose. And the loser, especially if it's Michigan, likely going to find their way out of the college football playoff picture. And so then a one-loss USC would be extremely viable in that, right? USC, whose one loss is a very close game, a two-point conversion needed to beat them against a Utah team that is currently ranked number 10 in the college football playoff poll. So good loss category. One of the few, as we talk about these top teams, since LSU got blown out by Tennessee, Tennessee got their ass whooped by Georgia. On and on we go. So I think in that world, and then, I mean, listen, if you were to compound that with 
TCU losing any of the games left in their season, including a Big 12 championship game that could be against a team like Kansas State in a rematch who's playing good football. And yeah, the Pac-12 absolutely still has a viable road here because USC could end the season with three straight ranked wins while any other number of variables happen in front of them. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I did I did see that... Uh, okay. Okay. So, the one that's interesting is... Alright, so I shouldn't say this, Brandon. Bonix does um, leave with a right... Did uh, injure his right leg in the final drive against Washington. We haven't seen a specific update. Apparently, Dan Lanning offered a pretty cryptic update on Bo Nick's injury. Um, he okay, was- Okay, so that's what, that's what I was yeah. thinking about. And that's why I was I was trying to yeah. wrap my mind because Oregon obviously just looks like a different football team if Bo Nix isn't the quarterback. For sure. And Dan Lanning, their head coach, said, I'm not going to share really any update with anyone. We came away dinged in that game. I will say that I feel a lot more positive today getting to hear some news on where things are right now. Bo Nix was injured as well as starting center Alex Forsyth and starting right guard Ryan Walk. And so... We don't really know what the scenario is going to be there. And so, yeah, that's technically something to factor in in all of this. Brandon, I saw one scenario um, that got uh, thrown out into the ether uh, last night that I think is the one real interesting chaos scenario that comes up in the college football playoff. And that would be, and I want to make sure I attribute this. I'm not going to steal somebody's content and not take this. Uh Charlie Fry, who works, uh, oddly enough, at Twitter, New York City. Um, (laughs) Which, man, thoughts and prayers, my brother. Uh, Oh, man. But brought up the question, if Tennessee, USC, and LSU all win and Michigan and Ohio State is a close game, who do you put in the college football playoff at the four seed? Now, that assumes, again, so LSU wins out, that means Georgia is beat, which now, very interesting idea because if you have Georgia, who has one loss in the SEC championship to that LSU team, and they've also gone out and beaten the brakes off of one loss Tennessee, something interesting to consider, but... The four options were the Michigan-Ohio State loser at 11-1, 11-1 Tennessee, the 12-1 Pac-12 champion USC, or 11-2 SEC champion LSU. I'm inclined to think that all things being equal there, especially if the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game is Michigan, who's out of conference schedule, we know, incredibly weak. I don't see a world where two lost SEC champion LSU, fresh off beating in everyone's mind, the clear number one team in the country in Georgia on that final yeah. weekend gets left out of the college football playoff. That's just me. I hear you, Mike, but is it, isn't Michigan – not isn't Michigan. Michigan is still really good. Like, I, I as the same with USC when it comes to putting up points. The, the way Michigan stops people from getting points is how USC scores points. And for those two reasons, I feel like they still would have a, a – I still would like to see them in the, in the in the playoffs. Obviously, not above an unbeaten team like TCU, but Michigan one lost Ohio State still feels like they they deserve to be in the in the dance. 
Yeah, you know what, Brandon? Like I, Again, you could sell me on that because I'm with you. I, I think this Michigan team is very legit. I think they've got a very real chance to beat Ohio State, which then becomes right. an interesting conversation because Ohio State would have wins over a Penn State team that is ranked number 11, um, wins over Notre Dame team that could be ranked... You know, if Notre Dame were to beat BC and lose to USC at the end of the season, depending on the nature of that loss, if we're playing out this scenario, Notre Dame would likely still be a ranked team, albeit very low, I'd imagine, in the 20s. So take that for what you will as far as the ranked win that would help out Ohio State in this conversation. I just think Michigan's out-of-conference schedule has always been kind of looked at side-eyed, and I think that that would eventually bite them in the ass there. More side-eyed than TCU's been looked at this entire time? Yeah, I think that TCU went against Texas in the manner that they did it, physically dominating Texas for the vast majority of that game outside of one fumbled snap mistake. Texas unable to put points up on the board outside of three points on offense. So I think they earned a lot of respect in that one, and they found a way to win, which is something that people always love to talk about in sports. So um, at Gojo Show on Twitter, if you want to let us know, uh, again, that chaos scenario presented, USC, LSU, and Tennessee all went out. Ohio State, Michigan is an absolute classic, and one of those teams has to lose. Who makes the college football playoff? I would be inclined to believe that two-loss LSU where they're ranked right now, the fact that the game would be playing Georgia, the number one team in the country right now, by any metric, I think that they would find their way into that dance, even over a Tennessee team that beat their ass at home. Like, conference championships, and again, this is a committee thing, right? Conference championships are supposed to be a metric that does matter. That is something the committee is supposed to value. It's one of the points that gets talked about, and so I think especially against a quality team like that, very important to consider that 13th data point, and you guys have heard me say it, the committee is only together in the same room on like while games are being played one time all season. They deliberate in the same room, but they're only together watching games one time, and that's conference championship weekend. They watch those games, they stick around, and then they put out the final rankings on Sunday. So I think that human effect does have some sort of value in this entire situation. Speaking of value. What a fun. That's just saying what a fun sleepover. And like how how long until make wish foundation so a kids a kids in that room too bro and i tell you what catered like a motherfucker in there ooh ooh i that don't was, want to speculate oh no like we, we used to um when i was when me and jason fitz which jason fitz does rankings reaction um also right now already but um every night after the college football playoff we used to have whoever the committee chair was in a given year. This year, it's Boo Corrigan from NC State. And we would always ask what the ba- what the best item was on the spread, buffet style, for that given evening. What was the best answer? Um, I don't remember. Bacon actually used this. They used to do a little breakfast for dinner every once in a while, which is really exciting. I'm a big fan of that. Classy. Oh, my gosh. A big, big fan. Especially, especially uh, with other people. He's like, oh, you like this too? It is always, well, and like when you have that moment of community where you're walking behind someone and they see you eyeing it and they just leave the tray open, they don't put it back down. It's like, no, I got you, man. I see where you're coming. That's that hotel courtesy. That is, man. That's the, that's the, that's the difference. That's humanity right there. We love that. People in search of community, remember, big part of life. Um, Speaking of community, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to add to our community around here at the Gojo Show. Very excited to talk to Ben Solak of The Ringer about the Philadelphia Eagles, the NFC East, and more next. 
I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, very excited uh, to continue to use this podcast as a platform where I get to talk to my friends from the internet that I've spent small bits of time with at big events but not uh on a platform professionally like this uh ben solak who's an nfl staff writer over at the ringer uh one of the co-hosts in the ringer nfl show and uh for the very uh intense purposes of this conversation also the co-host of philly special with shil kapadia uh breaking down all things eagles uh ben have you recovered most importantly from being the subject of all this internet bullying for not or you know i shouldn't even say not knowing for having the audacity to ask a question online is what you got roasted for i had a really rough nfl week on twitter because when the colts won I suggested that it was more about Matt Ryan being better than Sam Ellinger as opposed to Jeff Saturday being better than Frank Reich. That made many Colts fans upset. And then the following day I said, oh, I didn't know you could kneel like five seconds into a play. That's pretty cool. And everybody was very, oh, your first game watching football. You must have never seen somebody kneel before. Nobody has yet given me an example of another quarterback (laughs) kneeling five seconds into a play. But apparently everybody knew you could just do this thing. So, yeah, it's always uh, – the problem was I, I phrased it like, hey, this is a legit question, which I thought meant, hey, this is a legit question. And it turns out means, hey, I'm coping tremendously. It just it was immediately <laughs> interpreted as, yeah, this is not a real question. This Eagles fan is just butthurt. It was like, yeah, OK, all right, that's fair on me, on me. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to say, how dare you bring pure intentions to God, whatever's <laughs> left of God's internet and the Elon Musk rule right now. Uh, learned a hard lesson. Responded, I, I, I appreciated that you went with pie as the peace offering picture-wise instead of a dog. That was a different yeah. zig when most people would have zagged, and I appreciate that. That's when my dog was uh, dead asleep on the couch under two blankets, and if I had taken her out, she would have been making a mean face at me. wouldn't have been a cute photo. Also, cheesecake, not pie. Respect the sanctity. There it's we go. Evening, it's evening cheese. Come on. <laughs> please please at, the, at this point i don't need to get you caught up in any more discrepancy issues here so uh we're happy you're out on the other side of that one happy uh that you've been able to cope with the eagles loss in much more productive ways like talking about it and that was one of the things i was interested in because when we were looking at that game from the other night with the eagles finally getting their first loss of the season i always feel like in general this was true when you're on teams where sometimes you don't address things meaningfully until there's a loss you know you're coached a little bit differently it's an opportunity for coaches to kind of address things in a different way because you finally haven't gotten out of it with a result you weren't able to procrastinate and then get the a on the test still i feel right. like the same thing can sometimes apply to like national level conversations about certain teams where it's all been 
pretty positive about the Eagles nationally. Look what they built up this offseason roster-wise. Look at how well Jalen Hurts is playing on the offense. And then all of a sudden, the other side of this, I feel like the national media finally caught up to what I've been hearing from a lot of Eagles fans and from you about the Philadelphia Eagles run defense and the absence of someone like Jordan Davis. Now, you look at their numbers, whether it's DVOA, defensive efficiency, all these different things. One of the bottom rush defenses in the NFL right now. I've heard you talk about it, but what do you think is sort of the ripple effect on this Eagles defense when it comes to being without Jordan Davis in the middle? Yeah, so what's important to to start like you got to define the beginning the, you know what's the, what's the assumption coming in Eagles defensive corner, coordinator Jonathan Gannon calls two de- different defenses whether he's expecting run or expecting pass the Eagles are a very simple defense in terms of the personnel they put on the field and if they think they're getting run they were in a five down front they put Jordan Davis in the middle that's why we drafted him top 15 he's going to solve problems for us five down if we expect run the moment we get into what we think is a pass down second and long third and long four down front we take Davis off the field Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, screw you. The moment we get there, we think our guys are better than your guys. And we think we can play with enough coverage in the back end and we'll be okay. So with that assumption established, the Eagles' bad run defense is in the Davis era when he was healthy, largely a result of teams seeing their four down front, seeing how aggressive it was, seeing a guy in Fletcher Cox who at this stage in his career just like doesn't really love defending the run too much anymore. Seeing a kind of a weak linebacker room, the Eagles never have more than two linebackers on the field, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White, and saying, hey, let's run it on second and nine. They're going to give us a four down front. Let's rip off a six-yard run. Let's get to third and three. So that's a lot of why the Eagles run defense in these like in this large bucket, just like how do they generally perform, looks pretty bad. When Davis is on the field, they're a solid run defense. But again, they're expecting run. Everybody on the field is playing run technique. Linebackers know they're playing behind Davis, so on and so forth. Well, no more Davis last two weeks. The Eagles' use of five down fronts has shot through the roof in the last two weeks because every team in the league sees no Davis and goes, I ain't throwing it Darius Slay. I ain't throwing your Chauncey Gardner-Johnson six interceptions on the season. I'm going to check Marlon Tui-Pelotu, their backup nose. I'm going to check Milton Williams. I'm going to see if they have enough depth at defensive tackle to run this five down front and stop me smash mouth football between the tackles. That's what the Texans did with Damian Pierce. They're a good running team. Washington, not as good of a running team, but found success. Brian Robinson between the tackles. So the Eagles are now, they're sitting in the run fronts. Jonathan Gannon goes, oh, when I expect run, I play a five down front. They put it out there, but with no Jordan Davis, it doesn't do the job. It doesn't get them to second and nine. It doesn't get them to third and nine. It gets them to second and six. Then there's another running play. Third and two. And then there's another running play. First and 10. And then there's another running play. And you see this Eagles offense just spend 40 of the 60 minutes of the Washington game on the sidelines. So there's a domino effect from losing Davis. It's, okay, they're playing the run-stopping front, quote-unquote, but without the guy in the middle to make it work, it doesn't do the job. You're not forcing teams into long, late passing downs. That's where your defense is at their best. And just incremental walking down the field from Houston and from Washington. So... Jordan Davis is expected to be back here soon. This was, what, two weeks ago now, the Pittsburgh game that he went on IR with that ankle injury. The thought is you're getting him back, but in general with the Eagles' defense, how big a concern is this in this year's NFC? We've talked about them as really one of the only teams you can count on the Minnesota Vikings alongside them in a conference that had their best teams from last year really disappoint, you know, Rams, Bucks, and Packers at at what we thought was going to be the top of this conference. With how run-threat-heavy it's been, how big of a concern is this for the Eagles' long-term hopes, like Super Bowl, playoffs, the things that we expect for them? It's it's worrisome. It's especially worrisome when you watch San Francisco play football and you go, ah, they've run the ball really well. I don't know. They've run it a lot of different ways, right? 
and the uh, and they also get into their early down play action pass. And again, like first and ten, I expect run. I put my five down front in the field. I can only run so many coverages behind that. And then if you get me in a first and ten play action pass, it's pretty limited what I can run coverage wise, and you can pick on some tendencies. And that's the bigger concern. It's not like all right, does Davis play? Does Davis not play? What does it mean? The Eagles' defense is siloed. They, they, when when you look at who they what personnel they have in the huddle, you generally know okay, ninety's there. They're going to be in this front. They're going to run those coverages behind it. Ninety's not there. That's Jordan Davis. He's out. He's out of the huddle. They're going to run a four down front. And they're going to run these coverages behind it. You can generally and they, they don't really blitz and they don't really run games or stunts. Gannon is a very simple lineup and play. My guys are better than your guys. We're going to hustle to the ball. We're going to tackle well, so on and so forth. Coordinator. So he tips his hand very clearly pre snap. So you start talking about the good offensive minds in the NFC. Kyle Shanahan, uh, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, even Kellen Moore with the Cowboys, who's not a perfect coordinator, but is a smart cookie, knows what he's looking at. You're going to start running into offenses who say, like Dallas did this in the first game against the Eagles with Cooper Rush. Yeah, we kind of know what you're giving us on any given down. So we're going to start calling beaters and seeing if we can just get your good players in bad situations and walk down the field with it. So it's the simplicity of this defense, the way that it just kind of shows you what it's going to do, that's worrisome once you start playing some really good offensive designers. And it seems like sort of the defensive version of the problem we talked about early in the season with an offense like the Cincinnati Bengals, where it was the yep. same thing. Under center versus shotgun, we all feel like we kind of have a feel for what plays are coming there, and it relies on players having to step up and be extraordinary all of the time, which when you have C.J. Gardner-Johnson having that kind of season and Darius Slay on the back end doing what they've normally done, seems like it can get you out of jail free for so long. But like even seeing in this game hey, you match your season total of turnovers in one game. It's impressive on a number of friends because, one, you've had insane turnover luck to start the season that right. clearly was due to regress at some point. But, two, you know, you've also managed to give it up that many times the way that they did. So, I guess long-term, are, are the Eagles personnel on defense? You know, they, add, they added Robert Quinn to the deadline, all that stuff. Is the personnel good enough to overcome this? Sure hope so. One of the most expensive defenses in the league, right? When you when you look at, at, at team positional spending, cap dollars, what the Eagles have done, especially since adding uh, uh, Robert Quinn, right, in trade, defensively, this is a, uh, one of the highest paid defenses you're going to find across the NFL. The only spot where they're kind of skimping a little bit is linebacker, which, welcome to the Howard Roseman football team. We ain't spending money on linebacker. <laughs> and then uh, safety, because Chauncey hasn't been uh, extended yet, right? But still, Chauncey's a plus player. So just at, at, at defensive line and at corner, they've spent a good deal of money. And so you would like to be able to win your one-on-ones. You'd like to rely on your, on your guys to always have those advantages. However, like Darius Slay, great season. Terry got his lunch a couple times, right? You know, like Terry McLaurin had a good game against Darius Slay last week. All right. They're edge rushers. Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Robert Quinn. I put that too deep up against anybody. But the one guy, the again, let's compare to the NFC. Michael Parsons, Nick Bosa, and then Zadarius Smith of the season he's having. All those guys are like one-on-one, -on -one, one play, better individual guys than like Josh Sweat or Hassan Reddick, right? So they have depth. They don't have like that one takeover player. So when you're building around individual guys and saying we have a much more talented defense than you, we're going to play simple ball, and we're just going to be better than you for four quarters – it sounds good until it doesn't. The moment it's it, you're in trouble, right? The moment Washington's just running the football on you all game and you go, all right, time to smash the glass, press the big red button, let's do some run blitzes, let's do some stunts. And you haven't really done that all year, you're caught with your pants around your ankles, right? So there's, there's I think, a reasonable expectation for the Eagles' defense to have enough talent to get them out of jams. The problem is once you're in that jam, it's too late. 
You know, you've, you've already like decided this this history, for, this uh, this destiny for yourself. So that's why it's incumbent on Gannon, who got a head coaching hype after coaching a not great defense last season. Uh, put up or shut up, young man. You got to be able to, to to make some game plans against some really good offensive teams in the NFC playoffs if the Eagles are going to go the distance. Has part of this also been just Jalen Hurts and the offense and what they've been able to do? Sort of been able. I mean, obviously the turnovers we talked about a huge part of that, but the production on the offense because I look at the Eagles compared to the Cowboys, who have a similar criticism that the Cowboys can't stop anybody when it comes to rush defense. We saw that really come to a head against a Packers team that finally decided to lean into their strengths this past weekend and mm-hmm. take away Micah Parsons, those great guys that want to pin their ears back and rush by just going directly at them. Tons of Micah Parsons playing off-ball linebacker this week. For the Eagles and the Cowboys, is the difference just the offense and that on one side you've got an Eagles unit that's been much more productive than a Cowboys team that's certainly relied on the two-headed monster, is got Dak back, but has not been markedly more productive than Cooper Rush at this point. That's not to say that that was the wrong decision or any dumb shit like that, but you know, yeah. is, is the offense the biggest difference there? It's part of the difference. The Cowboys had that Dan Quinn inspiration on in the front, right? So, like, they just technique-wise, they line up their horses and go, right? Like, when you get Demarcus Lawrence, you get Dorrance Armstrong, and, you know, he's, like, playing the interior. Osa Digazua playing from the interior. These are lighter guys, right? Michael Parsons on the outside. They don't really put traditional defensive tackles on the field. They, they've, they've got their Quentin Bahanna, right? They, they traded for Jonathan Hankins. They need that little sub package, but the world they want to live in is with sub-300 guys on the inside, tons of speed and then aggressive upfield penetration. So it's a little bit different in terms of the personnel. Like even when the Eagles are in their rush front, they still have Javon Hargrave out there. Hargrave will solve a problem for you, a problem or two for you in the running game. Uh, So personnel is a little bit of the difference. And then absolutely, the, the time of possession and the game scripting is a huge difference. All we've been talking about on Philly Special is, man, I wonder what the Eagles look like when they're trailing because we haven't really seen it yet. Uh, and obviously we saw it and now we got some questions. Uh, but you're you're in a spot where you're constantly putting opposing teams into passing downs just by the score differential, just by win probability. And again, that's where this Eagles defense is much better. They want to be a too high defense. They want to have an extra defensive back on the field. And they want to let their guys pin their ears back in the pass rush game. And so this offense building leads has protected them from being exposed for the the lack of run defense, more so than the Cowboys, who have played games on a lot more neutral scripts. With the offense for the Eagles, too, I feel like so much of the middle portion of the season now, you get a lot of the you know MVP conversation talk. You've had so much focus on Tua Tungavailoa this year and the improvement that we've seen in that offense. And I've seen a lot of people throw Jalen Hurts' name sort of into the mix, but with an acknowledgement that he gets so much help around him. And we kind of do this with all quarterbacks, where once you get weapons around you, for some, it's sort of hard to parse what goes back to the quarterback and what doesn't. Have you seen a market area of improvement for Jalen Hurts something that for sure sticks out to you as he is much better at this this year than he was last year the year before yeah he decides to just throw on the football pocket management is also another way to put it uh when Hurts would drop back last year you would wonder how this is going to go this year you expect it to go well and and that's 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 on the quarterback that's on on him understanding where his spots are where the throws are right like against Washington great example the interception he threw to Derek Forrest right clear out route to aj brown intermediate inbreaker to Devonte smith he takes aj brown he did it against the steelers two weeks ago which this is misbehavior you're not supposed to be taking yeah. this route but he likes aj brown and he feels like he can throw it over the top of deep middle safety he's got a great go ball so he throws it Derek force picks it off second half they come back on the same concept third and six 15 yard completion of quez Watkins on the inbreaker so somebody told him on the sideline okay jalen yeah you like aj brown 
if we get this look, you have to throw the open route. And then he does, right? So there's the, the best way to describe Jalen is that for the past seven years, he's gotten better. Like, do you remember the freshman that played at Alabama? Oh, yeah. He could he couldn't throw the football. Like it was it was not tenable. It was we got to bench this guy at halftime of the national championship game. Not tenable, right? He has improved as a passer in every single season in college. And we all kind of said, how great would it be if he could do that at the NFL? I mean, obviously he can't so hard, but that would be so cool. And then he just has, right? So he's gotten more decisive as a passer, understands where his spots are, what to get against different looks, and that's allowed him to manage the pocket better. He it wasn't his best pocket management game against Washington, but across the course of the year, he's become more comfortable buying a half second of time, keeping his eyes up. It's not always tuck and run, tuck and run, tuck and run. That was so much of the second half of last year was anytime they got pressure, anytime they got a blitz, eyes down, ball down, run, go, 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 go. And that limited the offense. That's how Tampa Bay in that in that playoff game, the wild card round last year, just neutered the Eagles offense from the jump is they just blitzed hurts like crazy and said we're going to make you uncomfortable because once you're uncomfortable you shut down this offense yourself this season like they, they've, they've ran the screen game a little bit better they've run hot routes a little bit better arizona blitzed them a bunch hit houston blitzed them a bunch and they have more solutions so hurts has absolutely matured as a pocket manager and a decision maker always had a good arm always had a good vertical ball the the passer that hurts is right now is a functional nfl passer that plus his legs he's a good quarterback yeah, can get a can get a fair amount done with that. And you're right. I that was actually I remember at Oklahoma kind of the book too was by the end of that season that was more the Big 12 thing. Everyone dropping back and taking away big plays essentially turned that into what felt like a triple option offense at the time just the way they were using him as a runner there. So, you're right. Steady incline for him deserves a ton of credit for that. You mentioned the 49ers before as a team specifically, but who else? Is there another team that scares you more than them in the NFC this year? Because I feel like we've been trying to figure out this conference so much on the fly this season after having to reset expectations once those few teams up top that we came in you know, thinking about really bottomed out pretty famously. Yeah. So San Francisco worries me because San Francisco is just very good. Uh, the teams that scare me right now in terms of how they handle this Eagles offense are the teams that are able to generate pressure with blitzing, right? Uh, you, we, usually when we talk about elite quarterbacks, we talk about pressure with four, don't blitz, get those guys into coverage. With Hurts, it's show the blitz, right? Blitz, send the guys. You want to uh, get him to move to his left, get him outside the pocket going left because he doesn't like going left. Right-handed quarterback doesn't like going left. And if you are blitz heavy, we saw this against the Cardinals, the Eagles would just throw wide receiver screens the whole game. And that like kind of works because they're quite good at wide receiver screens. But if you're putting an NFL offense to the point where their average depth of target is like four, that's a good day in the office. You just got to rally up and tackle, right? And so uh, you're going to be a blitz-heavy team. So when you go and you look at the the NFC landscape in terms of, of defenses right now, I mean, that, that Tampa defense is one that you're worried about. Last time Hurts played, they played Hurts. They had a wonderful game plan for him that has now been used as a blueprint this season. So if Tampa makes their way into the NFC playoffs, you're concerned about that. The other team that the Eagles have yet to face this year that's going to be fascinating is New York Giants because defensive coordinator Don Martindale in New York is a <laughs> bad man. He's a son of a gun. He'll send everybody at you. Uh, and they, they, they have tons of defensive backs on the field. They rotate their guys. They're really physical. They're great tacklers. So they're the, the, the model of defense is going to say, hey, we're going to send dudes at Hurts. We're going to force you to throw behind the line of scrimmage, force quick, try to use the running game, and then we're going to try to tackle you one-on-one. And if we can... I mean, we don't we don't think you can beat us. There's that that like kind of hint of disrespect there to like what Hurts really is as as a pa- as a passer and as a pre snap processor. Uh, and so the the Giants game is the one that to me I've circled weeks ago, being like I really 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 wonder what this ends up looking like. And now with the loss against Washington. 
there's a little bit more on that on on those games coming up. You got to be good in, with your divisional record, and the Cowboys are only a game back. Giants are only a game back, man. I mean, it's 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 tight in the NFC. The NFC East has been wild, man. It's been such a pleasant, uh, you know, I know maybe not a surprise for a lot of people. I know a ton of people, football outsiders, others were really high on the Eagles coming into the season. A lot of people saw them coming, but I think especially that improvement from the Giants in year one under Dable has been pretty impressive. And the way they've done it, I think league-wide, I saw Mina Kimes was doing a piece on NFL Live uh, the other day talking about, you know, uh, the different kinds of runs. First off, the, you know, teams making that adjustment that so many people talked about as defenses got lighter and faster box looks change to all right at some point there's going to be some sort of rushing adjustment from these offenses but to see now Mina pointing out you know gap runs having a real renaissance this year and increased effectiveness it's it's been quite a time for meatheads to dive back in which I don't want people to be fooled by the fact that you enjoy numbers and talk about being a nerd (laughs) online you're a tape grinding meathead at heart and I appreciate reject modernity embrace tradition pound the rock baby (laughs) but the thing is like it, there's a marriage there, right? Like when yeah. we when we see more too high, we see more tight front and bare front. We see bare front, like any 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 football guy knows. You get bare front, what are you running? Angles, running power, baby. Running cap run, and it's awesome to see. It really it, it, it's it's a fun style of football, and it's so different than what we had just five years ago, right? Where everybody was like, "How much outside zone can I run?" There's not enough outside zone. We've changed. The defense is caught up. Offense is catching up. Here we go. Adam Leviton of Establish the Run had a graphic today. Like of the 32 teams in the league, like. 11 are a plus pass rate right now and like everybody else is just like a little bit below average heavy on the run scale we're back to like if you can run the football you control the game and that means yes sometimes you win games like the titans do and the falcons do and it's ugly and it's not pretty but it's fun to watch man it really is it is i'm glad you mentioned the falcons too that's been a i i I think i've seen like chaotic in a fun way with that team because we know they're not going to be top end good but man they make it fun especially on offense in the meantime so it's been it's been a very exciting season we mentioned the nfc east has been very fun this has been great ben thanks so much for stopping by man glad we finally got to do this uh we appreciate it hopefully get to have you back here soon absolutely you take care mike the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba with same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the nba postseason winds down and now that the boston celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the miami heat boston fans we feel a little bit more confident about the situation you can decide right now and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out new customers can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly so download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code gojo that's code gojo for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia visit www.1800gambler.net in New York call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY that's 467-369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Brandon, time to bring this thing home. Do you know what time it is? You know I do, Mac. You know I do. And the people on Twitter said they want a little bit of rock, Brandon. So you know I'm a a pleaser. You know I'm a people pleaser. 
I really don't mind what happens now and then As long as you'll be my friend at the end If I go crazy then will you steal this, that and the third If I'm alive and well will you be there holding my hand I'll keep you by my side with my superhuman mind Kryptonite yeah! <laughs> 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 oh. Oh my god. Man, three doors down will kick your ass like that if you're not careful. Oh also, my- like, trying to do the like late 90s, early 2000s alt rock voice is hard. Oh, I, Mike, I'm not, I wasn't ready. <laughs> that wasn't, I thought it was maybe like not rock enough. So I started trying to hit those notes. And that, what a song. I mean, that, that thing might as well kicked off now. That's what I like to call music. I think it was on uh, Now 5. God, man, what, <laughs> what a time. Just waking up in the middle of the night with the TV still on with a Now that That's What I Call Music commercial blaring in the background. Oh my gosh! So great, so great. Anyways, I, I had no idea I trying to to, trying to sing early two thousands rock was the same as do, taking a way too big of a bong hit. <laughs> it was like like what if it had been Nickelback? You you'd have still been coughing. It's like in the same instance as like you're just determined to get really, really stoned. I'm like determined. To, I have to hit these notes. You took like 30, I have to do it the way I, I hear it in my head. You took 30 milligrams of nickel back to the head. You'd be on the floor right now. <laughs> oh, I took that shit to the chest. Yeah. <laughs> and we all just want to be. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, as and honestly, uh, Three Doors Down looked uh, a more wider group than Nickelback. Three Doors Down, very white. Uh, when I'm Gone, one of those songs that's a core memory for me from the MTV Two days. Um, Ooh, yes. The music video, I think, was them doing a con- like a benefit concert on a battleship for a lot of uh, like folks overseas oh, serving yeah. in the armed forces. Great song, yeah, too. USFO or SFO or whatever that is, but yes. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Tell Brandon what you thought of Rock Brandon making his appearance there. I saw that at Gojo Show on Twitter. It shows you we are listening. We are taking suggestions. We are always open and receptive to these kind of conversations. Brandon, let's start with this because uh, you brought this up yesterday. uh, Cooper Cup's injury this past weekend in the Rams' loss uh, to the 49ers and unfortunately it appears to be more than we thought yesterday uh, Cooper Cup's going to have ankle surgery on Wednesday so today as you're listening to this podcast and is going to be put on injured reserve he's having the tightrope procedure for a high ankle sprain injury so if anyone's unfamiliar with that that actually became something a little more well known Jonah Williams who's the Cincinnati Bengals left tackle now when he was at Alabama and then I believe one other Alabama player, might have been Tua actually, I think had the tightrope procedure on his ankle in that break between the final game and the postseason game. It's essentially a procedure that goes in and surgically tries to reinforce 
the high like that high ankle sprain area and try and help that out yeah so it's 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 designed to get you back onto the field at some point soon now they're gonna wait um it's typically a five to six week recovery time uh for this injury he'll miss at least four games on IR but Brandon we said the other day the Ram season already effectively over five to six weeks without Cooper Cup or at the very least four weeks is enough to add to that because he had really been the only consistent thing about that team yeah, I mean that, or in Sean McVay and Aaron Donald just still in love with each other from the Super Bowl. I, 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 I it's too bad that there's nothing to look forward to with that Ram season because it was one of those teams that near the end. I don't know if everyone was rooting for them, but it was fun watching them play football. I wonder if Sean McVay and Aaron Donald regret not riding off into the sunset. Both of those guys flirted wow. with retirement at the end of last season. That I mean, they they probably could have used the gap year. Yeah, exactly. Taking the Sean Payton approach and just gone and done TV and hung out for a year and come back. Yeah, or, or the Urban Meyer. I mean, I, I guess they would have done it in a little bit less shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like a little less little less lies. They they would have been honorably discharged as opposed to the alternative. But uh, either way, that sucks. Um, hopefully, wish Cooper Cup a speedy recovery. Um, incredible, like Amish, but then I got money, beard, and hairstyle, and one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Hands down. Hands down. Um, Brandon, let's get to that. Uh, you brought this up earlier. We got the Grammy nominations for Rap Album of the Year <sighs> yeah. that have come out. And you were concerned. So anyone that's unfamiliar with Brandon, if this is your first podcast, Brandon proudly reps most on all things Louisville, Kentucky, especially in the music genre. And one of those yes. happens to be none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Harlow. And Brandon, you said you were conflicted about Jack Harlow's album of the year nomination for this category. And I just want to know why. Uh, Cause he does not deserve <laughs> it. Like, I, listen, I'm all for anyone from Louisville being nominated for a Grammy. Cause you can't take that shit away. But the Grammys have constantly gotten the gotten the rap genre incorrect in a very to America style way. Mike, oh. uh, for for anything of DJ Khaled's creation to be nominated for rap album of the year to bring up now that's what I call music like it's a slap in the face to the genre that is now the most popular genre in American music, uh, which is hip hop, Mike. So. Um, the other nominees, I'll, I'll let me run through them because it's 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 not fair to criticize without seeing the field, right? But uh, DJ Khaled, God did is nominated as well. Uh, Jack Harlow's sophomore album, if you want to call that, uh, "Come Home, the Kids Miss You," is, is nominated. Kendrick Lamar's "Big Morale," uh, the big and the Big Steppers, Mr. Morale is, and the is, Big Steppers. Excuse me, thank you that thank you for that. That is seen as the Front runner because it's the only real rap album that uh, had both critical acclaim and uh, had some substance in the music department and some uh, creativity. It's almost dry. I know you've been playing that a lot. Pusha yeah, T's I was album. just gonna say, let's ease up on the Pusha T erasure here. All right, it's almost dry, kicked ass. Well, yes, it was a great album and it should be up there. It's like one of those examples of like, if it's good and great, then it should be nominated for a Grammy. Like that's there for Pusha T, but also the Grammy. For them to recognize Pusha T and not a lot of other people is kind of silly because 
Pusha T just doesn't have the name recognition or or selling power that some of these other records definitely had. And then obviously you have Future nominated for his album. Um, was it Let I, Me In? I never liked you. I never liked you, which is whew, what a thing. But Mike, there's just a lot of different. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of great other albums. Little Dirk was tearing up uh, hip hop uh, all year long, and just to see that no one. Let me bring it back to Jack Harlow. That album was not his best album. He's gotten he got nominated for best rap performance also for Churchill Downs because Drake gives him what Rolling Stones is calling a top ten Drake feature of his career. Uh, on Churchill Downs, so Drake has actively boycotted the Grammys. The top boy doesn't mess with uh, our our music awards, and he's boycotting it. And it feels like the Grammys are just being thirsty to trying to get Drake there because Drake is featured in multiple songs on Future's album as well. Uh, same thing for for DJ Khaled. It seems like they're only nominating him because of. Because DJ, because literally cause anyone, because Jay-Z. DJ Khaled's albums are all features. Yeah, I mean, but it was, but it was a Jay Z verse on God Did. That's also, it's, it's not just the, it's the title track for the album as well. God Did. It was a bunch of people on that track, but Jay Z had this amazing verse that no one listened to more than once, probably other than first listening to the album, Mike. So it's just, it's, it's a little sad because you thought that they were making strides in, in like recognizing certain things, but. The fact that Jack Harlow's first class and a Fergie flip make the Grammys is like, oh, you guys should look at yourselves in the mirror a little bit. But let me shout out to Glorilla, 23-year-old Glorilla. Uh, she got nominated for Best Rap Performance for uh, FNF. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Yes, yes. And that took over TikTok. It took I over was just going to say, which like is, is big nowadays, and I've heard a lot of people talk about this. Um, Nathan, uh, Nathan Hubbard, who is part of the every single album, Taylor Swift podcast with Nora Princiati yes. at the ringer has talked about that. There are artists who will actually structure their songs with an understanding. Olivia Rodrigo, um, I think also yes. with the understanding of, Oh, this can be clipped for a soundbite on TikTok, and understanding that's a big part of marketing now in modern music. Definitely. And that, that's one of the reasons why, uh, push and P uh, from Gunna uh, w- was nominated, but obviously with the he and the rest of the YSL gang are still in prison for allegations, so they're probably not going to see the Grammy stage for a very very long time. But I, I did. It, it's interesting to see how social media affected affects the game, but. I think that's probably one of the reasons why Jack Harlow is up there, right? Like he's he's great, he's he's amazing, but like it's it's kind of unfortunately the same type of. The same type of thing that happened with Eminem, where obviously he's a very talented rapper and he's one of the best, but he's cutting through in a place where a lot of other people are doing it, and it seems that they're letting him through because of he's palatable. Well, I'll I say mean, it that way. I would say like it, it to some extent is a popularity contest, right? Like of the yeah. of the albums that we talked about here, when you look at singles on them, only him and Future had a song that reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Kendra, right. uh, DJ Khaled, God did reach nine, uh, reached seventeen. Um, neck and wrist from almost dry was only at seventy six, which that also got a really good Jay Z verse on that song. And then N ninety five from Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers hit number three on the Billboard Top one hundred. Yeah. That wasn't a song that had like 
readily playable radio songs. Like, even now, that album was great. It was a sonic masterpiece. I have not gone back and listened to it once since the first week that it came out. Because it's not a re-listenable album. It's very dense. It's heavy. It's an album about a guy who went to therapy. Um, yeah, man, uh, and a guy like Kendrick Lamar who went to therapy, yes. who had an, an, uh, enough scars before that. But one thing that's consistent when they nominate Kendrick Lamar for best rap album of the year, he usually wins it. So I think that trend's probably going to stay the same because I think he lost to Macklemore in 2014 for a rap yeah. album of the year, and I think the Grammy still has egg in their, on their face. Like I said, they constantly don't get this category right. No, well, and I mean, God, you have Album of the Year, which usually has a lot of, like, ignoring the rap album of the year involved right, right, in that. Right, right. A- again, a lot of these major award shows have had a real big-time reckoning in modern times as we've looked and gone, man, you really try to whitewash a lot of these things in a way that cannot be ignored anymore and shouldn't have been ignored and for I- as long as it was. 100%. And before we get off this topic, shouts out to the only hip-hop artist and group that one rap album of the year, or one album of the year, and the Grammys, Outkast, Speaker Box, The Love Below, classic album, double album, obviously, but it took it took that to 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 get to win and also even get nominated in the hip hop uh, genre, and it was I mean that whole other album was just the R and B album from from Three Stacks. Shout out to my favorite thing on the internet, which is people telling stories about the times they randomly met Andre 3000 and the very deeply human interactions with him. He sounds like a wonderful man. Oh, God. Three stacks. Keep your heart, three stacks. Keep your heart. <laughs> Someone's, someone asked the question on Twitter if you had to pick, I think it was, I think it was Emmanuel Acho, if you had to pick one rap song to bring to someone who had never heard a hip hop song before to try and get them interested in it or to try to hook them in. I thought mine would be international players anthem by UGK featuring Andre 3000. That that's pretty good, Mike. That is a, it's a good feature. I was just li- listening to, uh, green, uh, give me the green light or green light from yeah. John legend. I mean, any three stacks verse is, is a, is a good introduction to the art of hip hop. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good way to go. Good way to go. Um, Brandon, let's get to the third. <laughs> oh, yeah, finally. I have been so excited <laughs> to get to this. <laughs> we have a first in the world of video games, which in 2022 feels like a lot. This, according to Entertainment Weekly. I am Jesus Christ, the world's first Jesus simulator will allow gamers to slip into the sandals of the godlike Christian prophet and act out the New Testament's greatest hits. You will have Holy Spirit energy that you can use to perform miracles. You're going to get to walk on water, turn water into wine. There's very also actually a very like real fight with Satan in the desert during those 40 days. Um, Brandon, I haven't owned a gaming console since I think 2014. And I have, well, I have a switch. I have a switch right now. That being said, I'm curious. I've watched the trailer. 
obviously the ability to go out here and perform miracles. I just want to know how much freedom I am going to have because if you have like a first-person role-playing game where I have Grand Theft Auto levels of freedom of movement around a created world, now I'm interested because this is one of the last areas that we've really had to explore as far as historical figures in video games. Yes, Mike, and you've brought up all the reasons why uh, I shouldn't be irate and pissed off by this, but I'll say this. In the America that I grew up in, where this man from Egypt or the Middle East was whitewashed to make to look like uh, John Mayer when he grows his hair out and has a and has a full beard. All I have to say is this this Jesus better be Middle Eastern, Mike. This fictional Jesus on this video game better better be Middle Eastern. He better be from where he's from. And and I'm already don't like it. The the the, the miracles of the New Testament. Y'all don't even know what's in the New Testament. The Bible is a damn library. It's not a book. Like, the fact that they're trying to turn this into fables and fictionals, like, are we going to get to play Jonah and the whale, too? Like, are you get to play Cain? That would be dope. And, 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 and kill Abel? Like, listen, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this. I, I, I'm not ready for number two. I, I, I'm ready for the prequel already for the Old Testament. Like, oh, I need, man. Old I, Testament I video game would be wild. Moses like trailer. Out, out here with the folks getting litty below the mountain with the false idols. It's it's not. It's not. It doesn't sit right with me. I'll tell you that much. Grand Theft Auto meets Jesus. It's just some reason is not sitting it's not sitting well with me i hope it brings people to god mike but guess what the reason why he had all these powers is because he was divine and the son of god yeah now we can touch a little bit of that freedom <laughs> no how about you go to damn church how about you how about you this this, uh, this counts as get church the daily this, holy this, holy this app this counts as church Playing this game counts as church. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules, Brandon. But if I'm out here completing video game miracles, I have done my due diligence for the day when it comes to my adherence to the Lord. Hey, sh hey shout out to all the Bro. people in the in, in middle uh, in middle of the world and in, are in, in the middle of the world, the middle of uh, America that are AV people for their local church. And their pastor is like, oh, let's do this. And they have to figure out how to get the Xbox or, or the PSP or the uh, PlayStation PSP hooked up to the, the overhead projector because they want to play this game. <laughs> Pushing P. Uh, but they want like they, they want I feeling that they're going to play this game. The way that we used to watch people watch, play God of War or Assassin's Creed, I feel like church congregations are going to watch their pastors go to town, turn water into wine. It's it just. I love the idea of instead of Madden tournaments, churches hosting I am Jesus Christ tournaments. What is the what is the competition? Completing spreading the miracles peace. faster. Yes, spreading the gospel faster. Hell, Brandon, you like I have a I have a feeling based on this game because I don't think it's going to provide the freedom of movement that I would really like to see with JC. But I feel like well, it's going to fly. Yes, doesn't everyone? <laughs> Like, walking on water, you can do by accident in video games that just don't have the right software update. I want to fly 100%. with Jesus. And then, like, I want to see, like, lifting that boulder. I'm forklifting that thing. World's Strongest Man-style deadlifting it like a tire flip. But, Brandon, I feel like 
if the church were smart, they would have seeded this because this is going to, you got to meet the modern generation what they are. The history of religion is full of the church meeting other people halfway. Hell, Jesus was born in the springtime. You and I both took the same theology classes at Notre Dame. They met the pagans halfway and put that thing on December 25th for a sun god. Stay woke. Open your third eye. All I'm saying is meet the modern generation where they are and spread the gospel through the video games. No one getting this game wants to be Jesus for the right reasons. That is why I will stand ten toes down against this. You don't want to control the Heavenly Father for the right reasons. And I don't even know how they're going to break down the trilogy because I see in a game they got a they got a, like a, a voiceover that's supposed to be God. Like it seems like they're they're trivializing it, something that is that if, is if that voice is not way of life. If that is not James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman, they have failed. <laughs> they can't afford them. They just made a Jesus video game. <laughs> that's a hundred percent right. <laughs> That's which is also they can't afford the two things that I would be so think are so necessary in this game. I think without fail, if this game were to be a success, Brandon, you and I know, both know how much the load screen music matters. I think of oh NBA Street and some of those. And Brandon, I'm sorry if E40s tell me when to go is not the load screen music. I'm wow. Jesus Christ okay. had dreads, so shake him. <laughs> I, I know. I heard it in my head. I I hear you and I feel you, Mike, but now I'm getting to the point where I don't even want Jesus to be Middle Eastern. They better take the same black dude from St. Andreas, put dreads on him, and he is now the Jesus, and I am Jesus, and you are Jesus. Everyone is black Jesus. Change the name of the game. I am black Jesus. I am black Jesus Christ. We got to update that meme. Oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> black Jesus. Oh, man. Mike, I don't know. I, I, I feel I got to check in with a pastor. I got I to gotta figure out. I need another. I need another. I need a second opinion on this. Bro, your pastor's going to be streaming on Twitch playing this game. <laughs> That's what I'm like. Honestly, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If this game is fun, last thing I'm going to say on this, if this game is fun at all, then it's not true to form to the Bible. It should not be. Like, like that's the thing. Like, And if there's any form of entertainment, then it is cap, 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 all fake, all fiction, and blasphemous. It's, it should be boring. It should take a fortnight to travel between towns walking as Jesus. Again, some, someone... Just studying the, just studying, uh, the, uh, the Proverbs or, or Psalms, like... I need, I need, I need, I need, uh, this isn't, I don't, you need, you need Jesus. (laughs) Yes. I need, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying for all y'all who get this game too. I, Brandon, truly think my favorite comment about this game, because what you just described there, by the way, does exist and is based off what I've heard. I watch a lot of gameplay videos on YouTube. I've watched a lot of Elden Ring. I've watched a lot of God of War. I don't play these games, but I very much enjoy because they're like stories. They're outstanding visual feats. And the one that sounds most like what you want, which is long swaths of time where you are forced to actually reckon with real-life time, is Red Dead Redemption. Mm -hmm. And Joel Sawyer on Twitter tweeted, Red Dead Redemption of Mankind. Ooh. It works. I just, 
I don't like the the playing of the terms for the Jesus words. I'm a trap guy, so I'll walk on water. I'm a trap guy, so I'll walk on water. Uh. Another song that needs to be in the game. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed walking on water all the way through this podcast with us here. If you have, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Make sure you check out the DraftKings YouTube channel and look and watch and perceive us on the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab on there. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.